0: i didn't realize that you
1: had hit record There's you know a, i think that's a good way to start it yeah
0: it wasn't intentional but it's beloved by all and that's our new theme song we'll say it's it. canon it's canon <laughs> 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 hey this is believe it or not you'll never talk alone And I, Joseph Craven, your friend, I'm actually on an episode again. I feel like it has been since calendar year 2019. It feels like the last time I was actually on the show. (laughs) So uh, it's an honor to be here and uh, back on the podcast that I helped create um, after some time away. But yeah, I'm here. I'm joined by Alex. Alex, what's up?
1: Just... Waiting around for other people to show up. I mean, I, I've just been here by myself for so long. People coming and going, and here I am.
0: About uh about four or five straight weeks of Alex just doing the podcast by himself. Yeah. Really sad yeah, situation.
1: I, I actually did all of the voices for these past few episodes. I <laughs> impersonated everyone else on the podcast. <clears throat> I'll be honest with you, you didn't do a very good
0: job. I know it was poor we could all tell you know it's just it's not your strength but it's okay it's okay I should have had robozak on should always have to have robozak on even just for old time's sake we'll be joined a little bit later on by will caves uh he's going to jump on as we uh discuss a few other topics um of importance but the uh the first topic of i think it's safe to say very little importance <laughs> was this matchup against West Ham United. Um, West Ham, after the loss, dropped into the relegation zone. They were not in the relegation zone, right? They Or they would have... I'm trying to remember where they stood beforehand. If they were in it or if they were out of it and needed at least a point to stay out of it.
1: I, I think forget. they were just out of it. No, I think they were in it. it it's hard to tell. All those teams down there suck
0: right exactly it's mostly (laughs) i I forget i forget what villa did because that was the only other team that was
1: they lost
0: yeah so i I think think west ham is
1: even worse although they are the same team with the same jerseys
0: (laughs) they are man the that uh what is it claret and and blue and blue you know i just it's a it's a solid combination i've always enjoyed that color scheme it's very uniquely english um, but, yeah, I couldn't remember exactly where they were. But I guess ma- it makes sense mathematically. If Villa was losing anyway and Villa was the team right above them, then um, a victory uh, would have helped them um, to get over the uh, the relegation line. But as of now, they're stuck there. Um, Liverpool, on the other hand, for parts of the match, looked like a team in the relegation zone. Yeah. <laughs> um, for other parts of the match, Looked perfectly fine, but just kind of had uh weird, I don't know, weird breaks go against them and then weird breaks go in their favor. I mean, I don't even know how to describe this match. I was kind of watching it and, I mean, yeah, I didn't have anything to say. I didn't have, uh, I didn't have anything to say in like our group text about the match. I didn't have anything to say at all during the match because I was mostly sitting around going, like, it feels like, this should be going well, but it's, it's yeah. not. I don't know. I don't know. What a weird one.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I couldn't watch it live. I had to watch it later because I probably would have just been furious watching it because it very much, we haven't said this in a while, thankfully, but it very much felt like a match from a different season. Yeah. But just like weird, bad defending and the, like their first goal, full credit, like that was a great goal. Yes. So can't really stop that second goal. We switched off; they scored easy one. But then, like, we finally got a bad goalkeeper playing badly against us, and boy, did he play badly! That was terrible and wonderful all at the same time. Yes. So I, uh, I don't really know what to make of it. Like, we weren't bad, but we were bad. Yeah, and, <laughs> uh, and we won, and everything is fine. it was just a weird game, and the man of the match was definitely Peter Drury. And Jim Beglin on commentary. Commentary.
0: Um, I actually had to watch it like with the sound down because I was at work, so mm-hmm. I didn't even get to enjoy the man of the match. Yeah, <laughs> what a waste! What a waste. get your money back <laughs> from my job. I don't. I'm not sure yeah. how that works. Uh, yeah, statistically speaking, I mean we're talking about a statistical. Dominance, you know, which in this sport we all know means nothing. Um, you can hold on to as Liverpool did a massive amount of possession, a nice amount of possession, sixty-nine percent, um hey. and uh, and have you know an overwhelming amount of shots and shots on goal, so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, you know, if a couple of breaks go the other team's way, um, or as you pointed out, they're the beneficiaries of a fairly early goal like uh, Diop's goal in the 12th minute um, that uh, kind of, you know, go, go in their favor, they can then change their strategy and try to spend the next um, almost 80 minutes uh, just kind of chilling. <laughs> uh, didn't you say that one of the commentary guys said that they're currently playing with a back six?
1: Uh, I think that was Andrew, maybe. Oh, okay. I can't remember who.
0: Yeah. Uh, playing with the back six, that's about what it felt like for parts of of this matchup, Um, or for most of the matchup, I mean. And eventually, it just kind of took a while for Liverpool to pummel West Ham until finally, um, you know, the the scoreline looked the way it was supposed to look. (laughs) Yeah, until they remembered they were bad. Yes, exactly. Obviously, a real howler by um, the goalkeeper, whose name I just (laughs) forgot. (laughs) Flappy Hansky. Flappy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Full credit to friend of the pod, Lee, for that one. He always calls him that. And it, he lived up to his name. That's beautiful. Yeah. Lee. That match. Lee, far
0: and away, my favorite friend <laughs> of the show. <laughs> Do you like that? I, answered, I did. I answered Lee's last name pun with a pun on Lee's own last name. Okay. Um, yeah, so Fabiansky happen to have a real screamer but that really i mean i think was the confidence boost to kind of help liverpool finally seal the deal with salah Uh, i'm sorry with Mane's um 81st minute goal but uh, do you look at anyone in this particular
1: performance and feel like there were any standout performers for the reds i thought genie played pretty well uh, having had some quiet matches back to back um it's it's hard to say i mean it was such a weird match i can't really pick who i thought played best we just i know we we've, we've talked about it in our group thread as well it's just that when we have some rotation like this it sometimes takes us a little while to get used to having not the same people in there which is weird to say considering that our quote unquote favorite favorite lineup has only been used once mm-hmm. but it, it when we're mixing people around it, when someone comes in, it takes him a little while to get up to speed, and we saw that a little bit with Nabby. don't think he looked at his best, although he did do a lot of things that we would like him to do and would like our other midfielders to do that help, and we're going to need something like that against Atletico. But we just looked a bit off, and you could tell that things were going weird and everybody was kind of confused. And I don't know. Maybe the the winter break kind of disrupted our rhythm a little bit, and we're just trying to find our stride again.
0: That's, yeah, I think so. And I mean, uh, with that, obviously, uh, and Will pointed it out in the uh, group text and and then said, don't at me, if I remember correctly. But, you know, we were missing uh, Jordan Henderson quite a bit. Yeah. And you could see it. And I think that that goes, we talked a bit when when texting back and forth about it. We talked a little bit about how this is not a Liverpool team that – like in years past, you had one injury or you had to go like one man deeper than you wanted to go. And suddenly everything is completely disrupted. It's not the same yeah. team anymore, um, especially I think it shows on the defensive end. You know, we've had injuries to to Gomez and all. And we've been able to defensively for the most part, um, you know, hold our own. it uh, was doing well and got hurt. Goes out, you know, uh, you know, we've been able to sub that around a lot. I feel like, and I want to get your opinion on this, I feel like we've had some pretty good depth in a lot of areas so that our chemistry doesn't completely fall. Um, but it's the midfield. The fact that the midfield is so integral to um, the way that we play and the midfield it has been the slowest part of the lineup to develop – this chemistry and this importance um, that I feel like maybe that's why we noticed that impact a little bit more. I don't know if if that's just completely off the wall wrong or something, (laughs) but I I do want to kind of get your, your uh, thoughts on whether, whether you feel like there's anything to that. The fact that the midfield was the last piece of the puzzle to really come together on a consistent basis. And maybe that's why that chemistry was felt a little bit harder than normal.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's such a unique role to play as a midfielder in our team, and it probably takes a lot of people some time to get used to it. And I know we saw Fabinho take a while to get settled, and maybe just not being in match fitness and match rhythm week in, week out, playing in that unique role, uh, it, it just takes a little while to settle back in. So, And maybe we're completely overlooking it, reading into it, that it's just, a uh, bad day at the office, yeah. kind of twice in a row, and there's nothing much to worry about. I mean, we still won; we're still way ahead. So I don't know. We'll see uh, against Watford, and I'm sure we'll get back to winning ways. Uh, well I mean, we were already winning, but we'll get back to like dominant, not weird, concede goals <laughs> and look goofy kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I'm I'm not worried, but that it is such a strange, interesting position in soccer to play in the midfield for Liverpool.
0: Yeah, it just is. It just is. Well, in the interest of not boring ourselves and the listeners to death, we're going to stop talking about West Ham United because that's the only way this ends. That's the only logical end to a conversation about West Ham United is everyone being so bored that they die on the spot. (laughs) Um, we're going to move on to really kind of the meat of the discussion we wanted to get into today. And that's kind of, uh, we didn't have a chance, I guess, um, to really do one of those. It's a new decade and we want to, you know, talk about the last decade sort of podcast right here. We thought we'd give ourselves that chance now Um, as a podcast, obviously we haven't existed for the entirety of the past decade, but correct me if I'm wrong, Alex. uh, I feel like we we're around for at least half the decade in this podcast, which is kind of insane, right?
1: Yeah, we definitely were. It's just—it's it, very weird to think
0: about. Boggles my mind, boggles my mind. And of course, Will Caves, who's jumped into the episode now, joined in uh, in the last season. This is your second season with us. Will, is that right?
2: It is. Yes, I've got three more years on my contract.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we thought this would be an appropriate time in the midst of. Um, A string of matches that have not brought us too many significant talking points to maybe look back on the past decade um, in admiration of the way this season has gone so far, uh, on one hand, and on the other hand, uh, kind of just to really, I guess, humble ourselves a bit <laughs> in light of such a good year and remember some of the years that we've had in, in times past. And um, Alex, you were kind of the, the forerunner, I feel like on on getting this idea figured out. Uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you and maybe start things off here with uh, what, what you kind of want to talk about looking back over the past decade, maybe where we started a decade ago.
1: Yeah, I think it, we, it, there's no better place to start for this discussion than 2010 because that was kind of a time where things started getting pretty rough and we had just kind of pushed for a title the year before and then it started to look like well maybe something's not quite right here and it just it 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 was the sign a start of a sign of things to come and that that year we finished seventh in the league we still had benitez but it was, I mean, th- that was when Hicks and Gillette, all that stuff was coming out. We were mm-hmm. about to go bankrupt. Um, and then we were kind of saved by FSG later in the year. But if you look at, and even just throughout those next few seasons, I mean, it was a seventh place finish. It was a sixth place finish, but it was garbage until Doug Leash took over because we had Hodgson. Um, and then an eighth place finish. I mean, some stints in, the Europa League, um, a league cup run and then a league cup win in 2012. But I, what do, what do y'all remember about that time? Like the the first part of the decade when it was rough to be a Liverpool fan and we were the, the butt of all the jokes. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question.
0: I'm trying to remember exactly. I do feel like that was about a decade ago was really, um, the, uh, I feel like the time in which my Liverpool fandom was really becoming consistent um uh, you know all of us we've talked a bit before about how in our different ways we got into following the league but also how we got into following Liv- you know Liverpool specifically um and uh it was all you know before that it was around the kind of in the aftermath of Istanbul, you know, for, in a lot of ways, it was uh, around the, the O six world cup, which was a, a riveting world cup. And, you know, there were uh, uh, English, you know, Steven Gerrard, for example, on the English team uh, um, that we, uh, you know, wanted to embrace as, as a, our captain, all of that sort of stuff, it kind of happened in the, in the mid two thousands. And by the time you got to 20, 10 you know 2009 2010 was when we started to be able to watch more consistently um Mm -hmm. not quite on the uh you know the level that we get these days we are really spoiled with this premier league coverage that we get in the states now um but you know that's when i really started to seriously um follow the team closely the ups and downs um and uh so I guess really I, the point of all this being um, I ruined Liverpool in 2009 and <laughs> by deciding at that point in time to to bring my fandom and therefore bring my unique Joseph Craven curse to <laughs> the squad. So that one's on me. My bad. I didn't realize it would take us a full decade to uh, kind of recover from me cursing the squad. But here we are.
2: you know i i think looking back at and you mentioned this kind of like when we first started watching it and stuff this 2010 2011 was a weird transition time as well because in the from 2000 to 2010 i feel like there were pl- like 25 to 30 players that seem larger than life in, in, and okay. in like world football you know and there were American players in that list right and so like it was a really fun time to be a fan you could pick one team and like one, well, one of the good teams and they would have three four like larger than life players you had you know Gerrard and Carragher and Torres and you know like they all were were just firing on all cylinders and I think 2010-2011 for me at least was really when was really when it all kind of shifted slightly you started. you saw the advent of well slightly before this but you saw the advent and the coming of age of Ronaldo and Messi you saw the kind of waning of the oh, Thierry Henrys and the Fernando Torres and stuff and the the waning of Liverpool as a as an elite power I, I i mean i remember when rafa left it was kind of like okay this is cool like are we gonna get this? Could be really fun, and then it was Hodgson, and it, <laughs> and like it, it was just like, Oh, great, awesome. Okay, well, hmm, this could go poorly or terribly. It wasn't really for me, at least, there despite you know his success that he's had over his career, it wasn't exciting, and so starting the decade, we were just all like super flat. I feel like I mean, you know, it it just it wasn't we were a long way away from 2009 when we almost won the title even though we were only a year away it felt like a lifetime ago
0: yeah that's a that's a great point uh, to bring up it it was kind of like that was the start of such a bizarre stretch such a depressing stretch in a lot of ways <laughs> um, and another thing that I, I think probably should have been maybe a bit of a, a a warning sign maybe uh, when I was, I was just looking up some information, trying to go back through the other seasons to remind myself of some of the stuff that had happened. That was our last season being sponsored by Carlsberg. And I think yeah. that that really should have been a giveaway for, for where things were going as well. That's, you know, we lost the sponsorship of probably the best beer in the world.
1: <laughs> probably. <laughs> and, and, and it was also the, the, the last year of the time when clubs would wear the same kit for two years instead of just one year, we would wear the same jersey. We I think we had the same kits in like 05, 06, 07, 07, 08, and then changed like 08, 09, and then 09, 10. And nine, ten was the last year that this is, okay, you, you really get your bang for your buck because this is going to be the jersey for two years. Mm-hmm. Then you started really having to break the bank. And for those Adidas kits at the... Turn of the century, not century, turn of the decade. (laughs) I'm very tired and I'm saying all sorts of weird stuff. But it's uh, a, they were like almost like they wanted to be those Italy Kappa jerseys from 2002, but they were just like boxier and they looked really dumb. And I think that is really what started us down the sad path is that we just looked really dumb out there with these shiny kits with like fake pseudo pattern underneath is like a tribute, but a really bad one. And I, so I, I blame Carlsberg and I blame Adidas. Uh, yep. Carlsberg for leaving us Adidas for putting their intern designers on our kit design. <laughs> Can kind I of screwing g- us over. Can I
0: throw one more name in there that we need to blame? Do it. Uh,
1: 2009,
0: 2010 season was the season in which Glenn Johnson made his debut. Uh, oh.
2: He was so good. Like I remember when he, well, Relative to the other crap that we had. He was so good. (laughs) England's number two.
0: Yep.
1: Which is not really saying much. No,
0: I I came to hate that man very quickly, though. You know? Anyway.
1: Yeah. Uh, And he was just kind of a symbol of, uh, like you mentioned, Will, that not only were some of the players changing, but the, the power was shifting a little bit towards the Spanish teams and the Spanish national team. And whereas in the years before, we'd seen Liverpool make—I uh, mean, win the Champions League five years before, make another run to the final, have consistent battles with Chelsea and Arsenal in the knockout stages. I mean, I feel like we played them every year uh, and then get at least quarterfinals. Uh, and then we reached the semis, I think it was, in 2010 of the Europa League. So it's still kind of like that last bastion of, of English teams being really really good and kind of winning everything which got everybody excited last year when it was a liverpool spurs final mm. but from then on we saw not only us not be very good but did not go very well for a lot of the rest of the teams in the league in europe so it, it almost softened the blow for someone that could only watch whenever they could see it on tv and it was like oh maybe it's not just us you oh, know maybe things aren't as bad as i think they are when I'm watching all this stuff, maybe it's everybody else. But then, I mean, you really didn't. Especially looking back now, when we're so connected, you—I know for us in America, we didn't really realize how bad it was. Like we didn't realize how close we were to going bankrupt, yeah. and like how bad some of these players that we brought in were until we watched them play. And boy, were they bad! <laughs> I was so excited for Alberto Aquilani, and he just—yeah,
2: man—did not work. Zach's not here to defend himself, but I distinctly remember having a conversation with him uh, about how good Milan Yovanovich was going to be for us <laughs> on the left wing. And he was not. Just <laughs> it, it, That whole – the beginning of the decade is just sad. It's it's almost like we support a different team
1: yeah, now uh, than we did back then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, everything – so much has changed, um, and I think kind of a big, a big tipping point in in the decade, and we, that'll push us into kind of the middle of the decade, was when we sold Fernando Torres, um, and, and I know we all love him dearly, uh, and we can just take a moment to talk about like how much did that affect you, Will? I think I feel like it affected you more than it did you, Joseph. But uh
2: Torres was so like. I love. I've always kind of been like this, like like the big name positional player, not only in in soccer, but like when, growing up, like I love the big centers in basketball, the Dikembe Mutumbos and the Hakeem Olajuwon's, Those guys, like I love that position, like the big name player. Yeah, you mean really you mean like position.
0: just very long names, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. characters in their names, absolutely. Olajuwon. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. looks like foreign names. Uh, yeah, exactly. The and, and like you move into like when you start when I started becoming like a professional soccer fan you had the the torres and the drogba and the you know the, that forward and he to be a liverpool fan was fun because of him like the drop off we talked about the drop off in 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 you know you mentioned it in in the west ham game but like you drop off from jordan henderson to Nabi kato like that's not that big of a drop off but then back then it was you drop off from fernando torres to david and go and it was like yeah. oh okay this is <laughs> yeah. you really yeah, st- yeah <laughs> Born in- oh gosh you really start to you start to miss how good he was i i just i know i understand why he had to leave but it was the worst day for me like i, I never post about soccer back then but on my facebook memories it was like man torres is gone this sucks It was like the only face the only soccer related post that i posted back then And it, oh, yeah. Uh, Looking back, we sold him for the right amount at the right time, but it still sucked.
1: Yeah, it ended up being a a pretty genius move, although when you read about it uh, and how Torres has described it and how Benitez has described it and how kind of FSG's perspective on it, like it doesn't read very well, and it especially hurts as – fans who had kind of idolized him and seen him as like, it was Gerard and Torres and there were a lot of good players around them, but it was those two and they would destroy anyone in in their path. But for new owners coming in and and saving a team from going bankrupt, uh, especially a team with such history and such legacy in the league, the country that it's in and the sport. And that's a big call to do. And uh, I, it, it hurt, but I mean, looking back, it was absolutely the right choice. But that—that is—that's certainly a way to stamp your authority as new owners. So I, I the FSG has been integral to the development of the team over the past decade, and I know we've we had some discussions about them a lot in years past. But wait, look, how have they been? For y'all, like I, they have stuck within the FFP. There was an article posted on The Guardian about them following it and leaning into it. But the way they've done things have rubbed people the right way, rubbed people the wrong way. But in light of their first move, this is a good place to start talking about them. Joseph, how do you feel about F uh FSG? I almost called them FFP.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Lots of well,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, I want to go back. I didn't get a chance to chime in on the Torres thing. Um
1: which, yeah, that was um, intentional.
0: Yeah, I noticed. Uh <laughs> But, you know, I, as I just as I mentioned a little bit earlier, like this was the era in which I started to take like my fandom seriously. And so much of that was because of um, Gerard and Torres and Dirk Kite, you know, like playing FIFA and having like those three guys to yeah. just like rocket long shots or just like play with both of them up top. You know, that that was the the time period in which I was, uh, you know, able to because that's one of the ways that I. You know, kind of feel most connected with uh, a team as well as being able to load them up on a on a soccer game or on a you know or on a f- video game in general. I mean, and uh, play with them and kind of familiarize myself with the roster that way. But also, like I don't know, it just helps me and and learn more. And that's really how I learned a lot more about the sport. And those guys were so integral. So I don't want to act like I I did it like Fernando Torres or something. You know, like that was under there and all that. But that being said you know i was not um when he left i was not one of the ones who was like um oh no we lost Fernando Torres." i was completely 100 percent, unashamedly one i mean unashamedly at the time full of shamedly now uh one of the people who was just like screw that traitor you know um <laughs> which you know I, I was maybe that uh that much more of a of a Different sports fan back then, as well, just kind of in general. But yeah, you know, there was a fascinating, and I have to give a, a shout out to The Athletic because that's what we do on this stupid podcast. But <laughs> there was a fascinating, uh, like, character profile about him and his exit published on The Athletic not long ago. And it was interesting because, like, you could, I, I think this is important, um, and I maybe didn't have the words for it at the time. Um, But it it was pretty clear that there was an aspect of him that was a bit of a, um, I don't know, emotionally fragile personality. And, you know, he never was quite the same after he left Liverpool, even though he still was like athletically, you know, um, age wise in his prime. He was never quite the same in that regard.
2: It was the agger elbow that did it. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah, um, you know, uh, part of it due to, uh, to to some injuries and then part of it due to, like you were just you know alluding to right there, Will, you know, the, he didn't ever seem like he could quite handle the confrontation and quite rise to the challenge. And there's a lot of top-tier players that, you know, credit due to Didier Drogba, for example, since you mentioned his name earlier. Uh, he's a guy, one of those personalities who, like, when the opposition – Tried to rise above, um, well, in his case, the, he wouldn't try to rise above them. He would go the lowest road possible.
2: He would dive. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. great.
0: Um, but uh, you know, when the when the level of competition rose, he would try to do his best to to rise above that as well. And I think it, by that point in time, Torres had just kind of been maybe beaten up enough. Um, even before he left Liverpool, he seemed to be kind of shaken in that regard. Um, especially brought to light and by some of the things that were written in that little uh, article on the athletic. But um, so at the time I was definitely more like, how, how dare he, you know, crucify him. No, um, <laughs> no, uh, but uh, you know, looking back now it's, it's a little bit more of a, you know, I kind of feel bad about how it went for him um, because, you know, you kind of feel like he maybe deserved a little bit better and maybe his uh, his his ego was just a little fragile and it it got wounded a bit and that's what kind of helped to derail things for him um so those are my complete thoughts about (laughs) fernando torres okay (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to make it seem like i was like i actually am still in the uh you know yeah burn that trader's jersey type of mood not at all but at the time i was kind of like You know, because there's that part of me that's just like, you don't leave a team and go to another team in the league that's trying to compete for a title because you want to, like, title chase like that. You know what I mean? Right. And I know he only has so much say in that, but I think if if he had just left and gone to Spain... I wouldn't have been hurt at all. I wouldn't no. have cared. You know? Uh, it it's, was the f- went, it's the fact that he it's the fact he went to Chelsea. It was
2: just Chelsea and, yeah. and like that Chelsea. Like Chelsea was kind of right. like they ju- I mean they, they did win the Champions League shortly thereafter. Like it's it's hard to say that they were peaking, but they kind of were. Like that was like the the top of like Abramovich had had like Torres was his last le- I'm going to somebody's going to well actually me but Torres <laughs> was not not his last big spend but it felt like the Torres signing was the end of that era of players. Um but it also I felt like Torres didn't in terms of like his departure from Liverpool another one that I felt profoundly and you mentioned FSG earlier was the hiring and firing of Kenny Dalglish. Um mm-hmm. I think after it was obvious that Roy wasn't going to work out, you bring in Kenny, club legend, you know, knighted by the queen, great, you know, club personality. He comes in, wins the league cup, and then gets sacked. And I think that that right there, even though it took a long time to fully manifest, was the sticking point for like FSG drove their stake in the ground and said, okay, we're serious about this. We're taking the club to the top, even though, we have a, a trophy now mediocrity in the league cup is not good enough we want to we want to be at the top and so i think that his firing and the torres the torres departure and Dalglish's firing were like the two inflection points of our rise i feel like
0: yeah no that's that's yeah. a yeah a very accurate thing and <clears throat> like m- my feelings on fsg over the years have uh, waxed and waned um, but you know, because there were points in which I was very much uh in you know in the camp of FSG out at certain points where it seemed like they were completely clueless. Because I do think there were moments in which they were, you know, I think there was a stretch of time in there in which FSG had the the grand ambition. I don't think that was ever, you know, not there. But they didn't there were so many times in which they were running the club like a baseball team. Um you know, and it's just it took them a while to really learn the sport. And I think part of uh, the the maturity of the ownership and the, the way they ran the team, um, you know, is is what was one of the turning points as well. And part of that, of course, obviously being someone saying to them, look, you need to have a strong manager who has a plan that you can trust. Go get Jurgen Klopp, you know, like that was really the point in which FSG looked like they had finally gone. Okay, we we are not going to be the ones that know how to make the team successful, um, but we we need to figure out how to get the people in place that do know how to get make the team successful. Um, so, yeah, that's a brief answer, Alex, uh, going back to the FSG question. Brief answer. It's been up and down, but I, I think they just needed – time to learn the the sport and the league um and now that they're there we uh really consistency um consistency in terms of like keeping the same people in charge long enough so that they actually can learn if they're willing to learn um it doesn't happen often in sports these days um but it was crucial for liverpool to get that um or to do that with fsg um, and I was definitely not, <laughs> not on board with it for a little bit in there. And uh, now I realize how wrong I was.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, they, like you said, they were finding their feet and they very clearly had a lot of ideas in mind about how the club was going to be saved financially. And that required people that they brought in to be their guys. And uh, we'll get to him shortly but they did they banked a lot on brendan Rodgers, and th- he wasn't necessarily the exact cultural fit they needed uh, and you can see that now with how klopp is operating but i mean they were making a lot of decisions like it was just any old business like they there's been a lot of talk about the ticket prices and the, the area around anfield redevelopment and a lot of things that they would make decisions and fans would be like now wait a minute here I can see why you're doing this, but you can't do this. And here's why historically. And most of the time they've been pretty good about understanding that and maybe making decisions uh, differently after hearing feedback. I mean, they, they have, they've they've had a lot more dialogue with supporters groups than a lot of owners and supporters groups have had. So, I mean, full fair play to them, but uh, they, they have learned, but they have definitely had some bumps in the road, but, and you can see here they definitely planted their flag in the ground early. Uh, I, in addition to hiring, bringing in, and then firing Kenny after a year and a half, mm-hmm. selling Torres. But this is uh, the third p- p- pillar of that. Will is bringing in Luis Suarez and Andy Carroll in the same window to replace Fernando Torres. That's- that was when a lot of things changed for this team, especially and like to those two players embody the middle of the decade for Liverpool for good and for bad <laughs> and for weird and for strange and for teethy you know I really thought that
2: <laughs> I really thought you were going to say the being Liverpool series was the the defining moment of the middle of the the decade but uh maybe, maybe that was just me uh the yes I I agree I remember Salivating at the thought of Torres and Suarez playing together, it was going to be awesome. And then Torres was gone, and we had five minutes to make a transfer, and we went for this tall dude from Newcastle with the ponytail. And I think the highlight of his career was like getting in a bar fight or something. And and
1: he scored a screamer against Man City. Yeah, he did that that. Was, yeah.
2: the uh, Carol was he just never was what we needed him to be. And because I feel like when we signed him what he was like 19 or 20, when we signed him, like he just wasn't, it it was too much too soon. I feel like with him Um, Suarez, however, single-handedly carried us kicking and screaming um, and, and, and just, just carried us like into success. I mean, I honestly feel like, Daniel Sturridge's career looks completely different without Suarez. Coutinho's career looks completely different without Suarez. Um, Sterling. S- Sterling, for sure. Um, Suso. Yeah, Suso to a degree. <laughs> uh, Skirtle is, also looks completely different. I mean, like anybody and that played in – Yeah, and anybody in oh, that Gini period uh,
1: – Chiellini. <laughs>
2: yes. Yes. Uh, anybody <laughs> in that period. Yes. That interacted with Suarez good or bad looks different now, uh, via t- via, via, inflated stats or, uh, dental indentions on their arms or bodies. Um, no, but I, I do think that he was the catalyst to our success in the best way. Now one that one season, 13, 14 was all, or yeah, 13, 14. It was the, the season was awesome. Um, I w- by the time he bit Chiellini, I was done with him, honestly. Like, I was ready for him to go. Um, but what a player. Um, it's it, He was so good. And a lot of people hated him. I kind of got tired of him by the end. But he, he laid the foundation for where we are now, I feel like.
1: And he – I mean, we, we knew he was good when he came in, but we just we didn't really have an idea of how good he was at pretty much everything except for, like, being sane. Uh, but, like, he, he was good at – I mean, he was just magical on the ball. He had a brilliant vision, brilliant eye for goal, uh, a great knack for, like, ridiculous assists. Uh, and he papered over a lot of the cracks that we had at that time, honestly. Uh, and, I mean, he – was kind of the symbol of, okay, we've got something special here. Maybe we need to, and like you said, Will, about FSG's decision to bring in Barrage is like, we want to be better. We want to be back at the top and we have a player that can help us do that. And he was definitely kind of the the bedrock from which Brendan Rogers was kind of able to build his team around. Uh, I mean, it didn't work as well in the first season for Rogers, um, because we were still kind of at that point where, yeah, we had Suarez um, and we still had some of the, the old guard that had either like replaced the really nice guys that we had on our team or the, the cool guys we had on our team were getting older and injured. But I mean, we, we, we didn't really know what we wanted yet. We had He had a very specific philosophy about how he wanted to play and we tried to bring the players that he wanted to play that way, like Joe Allen, but then it, it soon became clear that we weren't going to work like that, and we were playing people kind of in weird positions. Like, we, if you forget, we had Nuri Sahin for a while, and we just like played him at everywhere that he wasn't a good player, and he just looked like a waste of time. Uh, but then he went on to kind of have a resurgence. But we 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 seemed lost. But uh, the first season, it was weird. That was when the Being Liverpool documentary came out. It seemed like things would go better. It was one of the better Warrior home kits, I would say. Um, not to speak of the tribal tattoo third kit that we had that season. And as much hope as we had moving forward with Suarez and Rogers, that's as much despair we had about what Warrior was going to turn out next for our kits. So, I, but let's. We've talked a little bit about the, the signing of Suarez and kind of glossed over Carroll because we don't need to talk about him. He's got enough going on. Yeah, no on. reason. No reason. Yeah, um, But let's talk about 13-14 because that was kind of the first time in a while that we had anything to smile about and then didn't have anything to smile about very abruptly. But what are your fondest memories of that season? Because that was a really magical season. We made some good signings. We got people clicking. We had a youth player emerging as a star. Uh, we just were scoring goals left, right, and center. We helped relegate Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It was just <laughs> a lot going on. And what what are your fondest memories of that time?
0: Well, I mean, for me, uh, <clears throat> I just kicked something over underneath my desk and then panicked halfway through the sentence. I think. <laughs> um, for me, uh, honestly, you know, i I've been very open about my intense love of Luis Suarez to this day. Um, Part of it being that I find the biting stuff to be absolutely hilarious. Um, I know I shouldn't. And I know that like people come down harder on him for biting than they ever have for any racial abuse in soccer, you know, like the amount of outrage about it because it's so weird. You can't help but just be like, this person what the hell? must be Satan. Like, I don't know, you know. Um, and, and no I get, it, I get, I mean, I totally get it. Like, you do, I would never, I'll never defend Luis Suarez in those situations. It doesn't mean that I love him any less. Um, because when I look back on those seasons, I see the first time, um, I'm sorry, that's that season in particular, Alex. I see the first time in a long, long time where we not only had a good team, we had a singular subliminal talent on the team um, that just uh, subliminal is not the word I was looking for, by the way, but I was just going to roll with it um, and act (laughs) like it was exactly what I meant to say. Um, But it just was like the, the, I don't know. He just was the, most insane talent in multiple ways um, that we had on the team that we had on the team in a while as well. And so it just, you. it was the first time we're getting to see glimpses of it. Now it among the attacking three that we have this season, obviously where it's kind of like, you don't know what they're going to do each match. You just know that you're probably going to get a show. If you keep watching between the three of them, we had all of that in one player. In Luis Suarez. You know? Um, and I, I think that's one of the things that will always stand out to me is uh just how I had someone who tried to act like they knew what they were talking about with the sport tell me one time that he didn't like Luis Suarez much because he just felt like he was uh lazy. And I was like Really? <laughs> like the He's that,
2: a lot of things, he's a lot he of things. <laughs> he's
0: a lot of things. Um but being lazy is definitely not one of them. I never saw a player up until then um, that quite had the whole like, oh, I lost possession. Um, He, I lost possession. I'm now going to like sprint the length of the field to try to like get the ball back. Or like the ball is somewhere near me off of a pass that one of my teammates got somewhere close to me. I'm going to get to that ball, no matter what defender is around me. Um, You know, we get to see some of those aspects in the, you know a lot of things like uh the tracking back that we get out of Bobby Firmino we uh um the 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 rush the onslaught the no one is going to get between me and this ball that we get out of Salah or Mane on any given day we get to see it from one player and it was just fascinating just fascinating so i think that's the stuff that i'm always going to look back on when i think about
2: the good year <laughs> At one time, I, I think back, I mean, Suarez, yes, but to, 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 talk about Suarez that season, that particular season is also to talk about Daniel Sturridge and who was excellent. I mean, he was at, at, at some points, I feel like they were the best strike partnership in Europe, which is saying something for the strike partnerships of Europe at the time. Um, Dance! I'll never forget the. I'll be doing the dance when I'm 50 years old. I loved the, the, every time he scored; it was so much fun. I, I have the the image of. I think it, I think Moreno, who let's not yeah. talk about him much, but <laughs> he, when he did score one time and they danced together, I believe, and yeah. it was that's that's what I'll always remember about that season. uh The yeah, Sturridge, yes, Sterling to be. I think he was 12 that season was <laughs> excellent as well. No, that's um, just
0: how many kids he had at the time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, he, he, uh, was excellent as well. I, I thought he was so much fun to, to watch. That was also the birth of peak Jordan Henderson, uh, that season as well. I, I had to, um, the, I, I honestly feel like we lost the title when he got his red card or second yellow rather against City. Um mm-hmm. but it wasn't the slip, it was that. It was the it was the second yellow. Um but yeah, oh gosh, the slip. I didn't even mean to bring that up, but that's part of it too. That's um, hey,
0: I remember yeah, that I one that is- I remember the slip distinctly because I was at Zach Osborne's house watching that match with him and when it happened like we both collapsed to the ground i mean we both knew right by then it it felt like a punch to the gut like an actual physical punch and we just dropped we were like that that just happened that was it
2: and and like the crazy thing i don't remember what minute it was in in the game but i feel we had like 40 minutes left to play like we could have easily come back but it just like that was the kick in the nuts that that took it out and and i Oh, that was terrible. Um, mm-hmm. it, the the slip was bad, and then it just kind of went downhill from there. After a little while, um, we we couldn't seem to recover until our boy Jurgen Norbert Klopp <laughs> arrived on the scene. Middle of the decade, twenty fifteen,
0: and even then, I mean, it it, it kind of took a little bit for us to really get behind what it was he was doing because we were kind of like, you know, is he bringing in the right guys? You know, we didn't, we didn't quite, we weren't seeing enough of the reward to know whether the process was working until after a couple of seasons and everything really clicked. And then especially um, with the addition of Virgil van Dyke, like Mm -hmm. that was the, the climax of when we were like, this is the final piece.
2: Oh I'll, I'll actually as it
0: turns out Allison was the final piece. But, <laughs> right,
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah. The well, I'll actually slightly disagree with you because I think
1: How dare his, you. I
2: know, right? His first season, we got to the Europa League final, which say whatever you want to about that. But like you knew immediately that we were on the right track until uh Funes Mori heard Origi. he was on the right track. I, God, I hate him forever. Uh but the like that there were pieces in that season, um Emory Chan had a good 20 minutes once. Uh, that was, you know, he he was good was in this season.
1: In the past 10 minutes. It,
2: it, it was, we had some good points in that season. Enough to let you know that something good was on the horizon.
1: Wow. Yeah. So wow. I, we, uh like, I, I was definitely one, like whatever Klopp did, it was the right choice. Uh, I was more, that was kind of the time where it was like, oh, I don't know about the people around him. Because it was still that, that, going back to 13-14, because everything in that season and that title push was so backed by just raw emotion. Like the highs felt higher than anything. And the two lows felt like the worst things ever. And they pretty much were. Like those sucked, those were awful, but the high points were really high. And then trying to recover from that, we screwed that up royally by buying all of Southampton, um, <laughs> Fabio Barini, and just we, we didn't really know what we were doing with the Suarez money. Right. Uh, and we didn't, we banked a lot on Sturridge being the Sturridge that we got that year, despite us knowing that his bones and muscles were made of tissue paper and we just set ourselves up to not really kick on from there. And we, uh, we, we pulled a spurs. I mean, when they sold bail, we did the exact same thing um, except with a more hilarious David Brent esque manager backing it. I mean, they're as, as great as some of those moments in thirteen, fourteen were like a, uh, uh, like a mid a later decade low was the lineup that we put out away at Real Madrid in the champions league that the, the year that we finally got back in and we, we would all wanted to be like, okay, we're back. We got to, this is where we kick on. This is where we keep making the champions league. And it just, it just was awful. We were terrible. We did, We had dumb players. We just looked really bad that again, warrior disaster of a kit representing us terribly in Europe. Um, and you could definitely tell that things were going downhill at a very alarming rate and we were not looking good. And that was kind of exacerbated by the signings that Brendan Rodgers made in his next and final window for us. I mean, it was a bit unfortunate that Danny Ings broke immediately, but mm-hmm. bringing in Christian Benteke, uh, which was very much his decision um, and kind of forcing him into the lineup when the the quote the, the famed transfer committee were the ones that brought in Roberto Firmino who who we've seen flourish since then but there was there were clearly forces butting heads behind the scene behind the scenes and it, it kind of it had come to a front in the six one loss to Stoke to close out that season but it continued into the next season uh, and that is when we saw Klopp come in and that, that was such a ray of hope for all of us. I know. I mean, you can go back and listen to the episodes that we had back then and they were just (laughs) sad and angry. And like, what are we doing? Like we had just done so well and pushed towards the title. And then the next season was such a flop. And then we started the next season even worse. And it was just like, what are we doing? And then finally something really good happened. And then you see the clicking into place of, okay, FSG have a model. They've gotten a guy that fits their model. And he's so much more than any of us could have ever asked for, and, and I mean, he, he's he's transformed the club. There's no other way to say it. He has yeah. transformed everything about this club. He's transformed the atmosphere of the fans. He's transformed the mentality of the players. He's helped fund the transformation of the physical stadium with a brand new stand. I, uh, he's just. It, it's weird to put such a comeback and a return to form on one person, but. You you can't not he he is yeah. pivotal into this and you, you sometimes you just forget how lucky we are to have him as the manager uh, and yeah. until you remember kind of what we've achieved so far and it, it did take some time we've yeah. it's not like the heartbreak stopped we lost in the Europa League final in 40 seconds at the start of the second half and uh, Kiev in the Champions League final but again there were some more some ridiculous happy fun runs in a very similar style of we're going to score 8000 goals and hope they only score 7999 and then yeah. <laughs> something finally clicked with the club like wait what if we stopped other teams from scoring
0: it's shocking it's shocking but it's a it's a great point like look back on the past decade but especially look back over the past you know 5 or 6 years um if you want evidence of the fact that even now in this what have you done for me lately? Sports culture that seems to permeate through every league in every country, um, especially a league that like the premier league, which in recent history has had um, Chelsea and man city come into money and instantly come into success because of that. Um, Look around, you know, at what Liverpool has had to deal with over the past decade, but especially has done in the past six or so years. And you still see that sports are about um, a growth Process, um, you know, even still, that is what success uh, is really built on: is the ability to um, weather the lows, build upon the highs, and try to stay consistent enough so that next year things get a little bit better. Next year things get a little bit better. You know, it's it's just a it's a growth thing. It does still work that way, even when you know. The the common logic seems to be, if you aren't winning a title in two years, regardless of what sport you're playing, you know what league you're in, then you suck and should be fired. You know that sort of thing. It's a it's a journey. It really is a journey, and it is satisfying as hell to be reaping the rewards uh, so far this season.
1: Yeah, I mean it's weird. We I mean, we've talked about it a lot before, but we we don't really know what to do I mean, in light of the discussion we just had. Like it's no wonder we're still struggling to process like how good we are right now because of all the stuff we went through in this past decade. And we're to a point where we don't really have any episodes anymore where we're like, why is the club signing this player? How are we going to cope? What are we going to do to improve the squad? Cause we don't need to worry about that. We can trust the process and the process is working. Especially with the throw-in coach. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I want to say like moving into the decade or moving into 2020 and looking ahead like this team, there's no reason why they cannot repeat these performances next year. Like we're only going to get stronger. And I think just the outlook a decade ago was just like, how are we really like, could we be relegated? Is this uh, like if we go into administration, like, what does that mean? Like, you know, what all what's happening, that kind of deal. And now you look at it and like, okay, well we've played now. what, How long? Like two months maybe without Allison, and we're fine. We, I don't want to know what happens if we play without Van Dyke, but we put would presumably also be fine. Um, like, it's just, it feels different even and but what's funny, like, we being as good as we are right now will attract inevitably a lot of fair weather fans. And if you all you have to do is get on Twitter and anytime like Henderson starts or like Mo misses a shot or whatever, like Twitter explodes and like, Oh, this is the worst ever. We suck. West Ham, you know, is ahead at halftime. Oh, this is terrible. We're awful. blah blah. And I'm like, No, 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 you don't understand
1: you don't know mm-hmm. you don't know
2: how bad it was yeah you're like a former real madrid fan and you just right. like Liverpool now like no yeah. no this is yeah. not i'm good we're fine we can lose to we. we didn't but i yeah. kind of you know just after halftime i was like well this is it where this is where it ends <laughs> and uh and it's fine i'm cool with it because we're still going to win the league but this is it and meanwhile twitter is like actually melting like the guy in indiana jones uh yeah. <laughs> that's but, another
0: thing we didn't really have to deal with a decade ago yeah was social media overreaction like that was yeah. just starting up
2: right and, and we now, were the like, only fans like, back then all the fans yeah. Yeah. Left. we were we were it yeah so, exactly um but now <laughs> i see liverpool stuff everywhere now and i'm like oh this is that's funny okay i don't i didn't know you like soccer much less liverpool but okay cool <laughs> um but yeah you're right it, it's it's very different now in that regard
1: yeah and it's wonderful and honestly just cannot wait for that league title to be wrapped up because it's been way too long and it's been it, it, it's so much more rewarding because of the how it was achieved and what we had to go through to get there even though the lows were really bad uh, and to wrap up this decade episode I know everybody's got one in their mind, but Will, we'll start with you. Favorite goal of the decade.
2: Ooh, that's tough. Hmm. Um, I'll give you two. My favorite, and this is going okay. to, th- I'm going to get roasted. No, I'm not. Uh, my favorite goal is actually my favorite non Liverpool goal was aguero winning city the title that was i watched it live it was like for that moment now obviously they were breaking all the rules but that seemed <laughs> like a big deal at the time and and it was a big deal at the time it was it was a big moment that goal was nuts i mean just the circumstances that had to happen to lead up to it was crazy that goal is like maybe my favorite non-LSC goal, or at least one that'll stick with me. Yeah,
0: Uh, it was huge. It was huge. I actually had like my media class at the school I work at watch an SB Nation, like small YouTube mini doc about uh, that goal and the Mm -hmm. significance of it, because it was, well, a well done video, but it just was such a big
2: moment. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. I think my favorite Liverpool goal. (sighs) It's hard. You put me on the spot because I went first. I have two one my favorite my most w t f goal was Mane's back heel uh over the keeper that that was recently yeah. uh and then my favorite goal goal where I like got up and went nuts was Loverin versus Dortmund a couple of years ago. oh that goal yeah. that goal was nuts,
1: yeah, I remember Joseph and I calling each other after that goal went in because we were just like what what <laughs> right yeah like what what is what i what? I'd forgotten we did that yeah. and i think that was pretty much the only words we said yeah. I like, what
2: <laughs> i think you're right oh man i think you're absolutely right
0: oh man for for me um you know it's not it's not an impressive goal but the uh getting the penalty against Tottenham in the Champions League final like mm-hmm. what a minute into the game <laughs> um last year was one of my favorites because we already were so confident and flying so high going into that um and you know you get we get together a group of us got together uh at you know Capital Grill here in town um and we're sitting down and there's still is kind of that underlying like okay the nerves are hitting cuz you never know what's going to happen uh we are still Liverpool and we've had some bad luck recently. So maybe we've put off the bad luck, but it's about to hit. Like you just didn't know. But the moment we actually had something happen in our favor that early in the game and get a goal up that early in the game, you just kind of knew you're like, let's just ride this one out because Mm -hmm. this is our match. We just kind of knew it at that point. And I think that was, that was one of my favorites for sure. Will I? Th- I don't go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to
2: say it was it was just inevitable. I was agreeing with you. It just it's, it, it was inevitable. It kind of felt like like waiting for New Year's. Like you're at the party, you're having fun, and you're just waiting on the celebration. That's what that game felt yes. like after that goal. That is a
0: great way of putting it. A <laughs> mm-hmm. great way of
1: putting like it. Our current league title situation yes. right now. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. I mean, if we're if can we're doing, I can I throw one yeah. more in
0: there though? Because yeah. the the one that I that I do just freaking love. Um. Uh. As far as like an impressiveness, and I had to look it up real quick when you asked the question, so I could remember who he did it against. Cheater. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to that's fair. I'm gonna go back to uh Luis. Uh, and he did it against Norwich. But it was the the goal where um he he gets it at about let's see he's a little bit inside like the the midfield circle. I um, mean he's a little bit past that a Norwich defender like whiffs on a ball. He kind of halfway gathers it. Literally four Norwich players are gathering and he, the ball bounces and he just goes, all right. And just blast <laughs> this thing. And it just doesn't look like it should be doing what it does yeah. as a ball. It leaves his foot at like a million miles an hour on a perfect trajectory to go up curve off to the right and just land right in the back corner of the net out of the goalkeeper's reach. And it just was such a quick instant, like the ball got to him. And before you can even think, ah, Suarez is on the breakaway, he goes, Boop, all right, there it goes. Yeah. <laughs> so, like he had he just had, you know, so many of those different things that happened um that he could pull off. Um, that uh that's one that I just looked so bizarre and almost comical that it stuck with me. Um, so if I had to go with with one, I guess that would be it, but Again, I just like, I like the guy a lot, you know? We don't often get individual talents quite like that in recent history, you know what I mean? Like, we've seen a Ronaldo and a Messi and like a a Zlatan before uh, he went to MLS. You know, we got to see other teams get those guys. And for at least one beautiful year, we got Luis doing all the nonsense he did. So anyway, yeah. I, I'll I'll stop talking about Luis Suarez.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I'll bring him up again, uh, but I won't say. Good for favorite non-LFC goal of the decade is just any goal that Patty McCourt scored in this yes. decade, uh-huh. um, uh, because they were all solo wonder goals. Every single, um,
0: one. <laughs> every <laughs> single uh, one was a FIFA glitch. <laughs> <end>. <laughs> uh,
1: honorable mention in terms of Suarez goals uh, is the one. Also against Norwich, it was, I think it was his first hat-trick against them. When we were wearing. I remember it because we were wearing the tribal tattoo jersey. But he missed a shot, and the Norwich fans behind the goal gave him like, the way and started mocking him. Uh, and then they tried to play a short goal kick, and he intercepted it and scored immediately. Uh, and it was just one of the most gratifying things to do to a team uh, that continues to just get relegated every time they get to the Premier League um second honorable mention uh is Coutinho's goal versus Man City in 13-14 mm, and yeah, it cool. like, like that goal yeah. felt like this is it yeah. like we're doing this and like no matter what any anything can happen and we're gonna do it because we just like we just beat City um unfortunately we saw how that turned out but Favorite goal is actually two goals because they happen pretty close together. It is Wijnaldum's header versus Barcelona, and then Arriete's goal versus Barcelona. Because when Wijnaldum's header went in, like I, I'm pretty sure we were all watching it at work, and none of us were like even carrying on the pretense that we were actually doing any work. But like, I lost my mind in my office, like just Yo. punching my chair mm-hmm. and like throwing stuff. And I was like, "We're gonna do this! Like we're back!" Yep. And there's no way we're gonna. Lose. There's no like. There's yep. no way we're not getting through this tie.
2: No. And
1: then when Origi's goal went in, first of all, all of us almost missed it because the camera did not adjust quickly enough because they were expecting like the corner to take forever. But I I had the same reaction that uh, Joseph and Zach did, except for the opposite reason. I just like fell to my knees out of my chair and was like, "This is real. Like this is actually happening. This is the wackiest, craziest thing I've ever seen in my life." Yep. And it, that was just like, we are invincible. Yep. And it's kind of gone on to prove that way. But that was when it was like, no one is beating us. And oh, it was man. just so cheeky.
0: So cheeky. I mean, I was shaking. I fell down on my knees yeah. and was like shaking on the ground when, when he pulled that nonsense
1: off. Oh, I love I, it. And then I had to go into a meeting immediately after the game. And I was just like panting and really red and trying to play it cool. But I'm sure I looked like a crazy person. <laughs> you always do, Alex. Don't worry <laughs> about it.
0: Don't worry about it. Oh, man. that What a what a jaunt down memory lane that was. Good job. Yeah. Boys.
1: We all get a decade's worth of gold stars for this episode. Yeah.
0: The, the goldest of stars for all of us. <laughs> Oh well, good. Uh, good times, bad times. Over the past decade, we're living in some of the best of times right now, um, and uh, I can't wait to see what we, what we pull off next. You know, the same feeling I had watching Suarez years ago. Where it's like I just can't wait to see what he does next. That's just how it feels with this team in general. Just like, can't wait to tune in again and just see what else this because the cohesion, the the chemistry. Yeah, it was off a bit against West Ham, but, like, when it's on, it just is poetry in motion. I mean, there's no other way to put it. So, so much fun. Can't wait to see what else we do. Uh, we kind of run out of time instead of previewing um, the next matchup like we like to do. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> um, so instead of doing any of that, instead, we're just going to go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in and listening to this um a little bit lengthy i mean we're up over an hour for the the first time in a long time on ynta uh we've been been pretty much coasting i think in the 30 to 45 minute range top so good job guys good job uh but thanks for tuning in to this episode tweet at us let us know some of your favorite moments or players over the past decade um we want to hear what you have to say as well and uh so thank you to alex and will uh, i'm your friend joseph craven and now Let's turn it over and see what our friend Andrew Ainsworth's favorite sign-off of the last decade is. Andrew, why don't you sign us off? (laughs) Yeah, that was a good one. All right, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on You'll Never Talk Alone.